Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph concludes his message entitled, Walking in the Light. We're still in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And now, with part two, here's Pastor Ralph. As, as we go on into our Bibles, I, I want us to take a moment and, and to pray. You know, the Light Up Hawaii event, actually, there were um, 62 schools where they prayed. There were actually uh, well over 100 churches that were involved to every prayer event. They covered at least every high school in the whole state and a number of intermediate schools and elementary schools. But when you stop and consider what was going on three years ago when this whole thing started, you know, as, as you heard the the thing from the, the TV news, it, it kind of suggests that people believe that prayer helps them to come together in unity and focus on the needs of the community. That sort of sounds like we all get together in unity and we solve the problems. That's not the issue at all. It's that we come together in unity and we ask the Lord to solve the problems, and He is. And that's the only reason that this movement has grown from one school to where it's now spread across Hawaii and happening in Hong Kong and, and several cities now in the mainland. And so we just know that the Lord is answering prayer. It's, it's almost like he's trying to flex his muscles and show us, hey, I'm here. Pay attention. And so I, I'd like for us just to take a moment tonight and, and pray for the school. And I'd like for you just to join me as, as I'll pray out loud. And, and I want you just to, in, in your mind, pray the prayer along with me. And, and just let's see the Lord do more of what he's been doing. Lord, we come to you tonight on behalf of this particular school because we've been asked to pray for them. And we pray for these two specific needs, Lord, that the graffiti would stop, that they would catch who's doing it, that it would be broken. Lord, we know that there was an attack against a teacher a few weeks ago. They're still looking for those people, that they would be caught. Uh, Lord, we pray that relationships between students and faculty members would turn from something that's caused a lot of angst, a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, into relationships that could be described as loving. Lord, that, that your love would prevail even in the hearts of people who don't know you. And Lord, we don't confine our prayers to, to Castle. I know that there are several schools represented by faculty members that are here in this room tonight. And Lord, we pray for them. We pray for safety on the campuses. We pray for peace on the campuses. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would cause the people who are dealing drugs to be caught, to be dealt with. Lord, that you'd clean the schools up. That you'd put a, an aura of hope in the schools, that, that there would be something that, that would be special about school in Hawaii. Lord, that as beautiful as this place is on the outside, that it would begin to be beautiful on the inside as you touch people's hearts and lives. Lord, minister in our schools. Lord, we pray that you'd minister to us as we look at the scriptures tonight, that it would, it, the, the Bible would speak to us and that it would speak clearly and it would draw us a little more into intimacy with you in, in areas that, that we need to grow and that we can grow. In Jesus' name we pray and we praise you. Amen. Let's go a little further here. In verse 5, it starts to talk about what we worship. The question that I ask is, you worship what? It says, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, there's that theme again, will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. I mean, the whole idea of the kingdom of God is God's the king, and I'm the follower of him, and if I'm doing something in rebellion toward him, I'm not going to be in his kingdom. He says, a greedy person is really an idolater who worships the things of this world. 
You know, a greedy person is an idolater who worships the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the terrible anger of God comes upon all those who disobey him. Don't participate in these things, in the things that these people do. Greed ultimately comes down to worship. You know, the, the whole idea of worship is it's what you focus value on. And the kind of greed that the Lord is, is, is against here is the kind of thing that if I just could have that, then I'd be happy. If I just could have this, then I'd be important. If I could just achieve this, people would respect me. And what am I doing? I'm, I'm taking everything that I ought to be getting from God and I'm investing it in some stuff. And if I can get this car, then I'll have it made. If I can get this house, then I, suddenly I'll be somebody. If I can get this position. And, uh, and, and everything that we ought to be able to get from a relationship with God in terms of my identity, in terms of I, I count for something. You know, when I begin to, to, to look at my life as a part of God's story and God's plan for the universe, and, and I find my little place in it, then all of a sudden I can look myself in the mirror and I don't need to compare myself to you or to anybody else. I can be happy with me the way that God made me. And all I really got to do is learn to walk in his light and become the person that he's called me to do. And, and I don't need a lot of stuff in order to be satisfied. And so that kind of greed that reaches itself over into worship of something that becomes a lesser God, that greed begins to be, be killed in my life. And I'm free to live for the Lord and to live in worship with him. Now let's go on and it talks about light. In, in verse 8, it says, For though your hearts were once full of darkness, you are now full of light from the Lord. It's really saying that you were kind of lost and uh, left to your own devices. And now you have the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you. It says your behavior should show it. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And then it says, try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. And if you, if you stop and, and think that there's an incongruity here. Paul is, is talking very boldly about the light. It says, though you, your heart was once full of darkness, now you are full of light from the Lord and your behavior should show it. Then he says, this light that's within you produces only what is good and right and true. Then he says, try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Get this. You have light inside of you. When Jesus came into you, the Holy Spirit is in you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's lighting your path. And the light that's inside of you is going to only put out what's good and right and true. Oh, by the way, do your best to find out what pleases the Lord. And you go, whoa, whoa, what is this all about? Is the, is the light there? Is it as strong as you say it is? If it is, why do I have to do my best to find out? Why doesn't it just, you know, blast me with goodness from on high or something? You know, what is going on? And so much of our Christianity is kind of a dichotomy. We sort of have this idea that God sort of lives upstairs in Never Never Land. And we sort of live down here in cold, hard reality. And we go to visit him on Saturday night in church. 
Or we go to visit him for 20 minutes in the morning when we read our devotions. Or, you know, and, and we go upstairs and have this little experience with God. Or sometimes we're hollering to God who's upstairs. And once in a while he's speaking back to us who's downstairs. But largely we sort of live our lives on, on this, there's this bifurcation. There's this two different levels here. God's on one level and I'm on another. And this is why in the first five minutes of tonight, when I'm talking about following Christ's example and laying your life down for others, that you immediately zone out. Because that's upstairs talk. And you're living downstairs. And the word relevance becomes so important in church. People are always trying to connect upstairs to downstairs and they're trying to find ways to make the gospel more relevant. And, you know, people do this by a lot of gizmos and devices that they bring into Christianity, uh, some of which are kind of dubious in terms of value. But, see, I, I kind of like to think God permeates downstairs. He's everywhere we are. But the truth is, the Bible says that God is imminent, which means he lives with us. He's transcendent, which means he's far away at the same time. And there, there comes a place that there's a meeting ground. And that's where the Spirit is living inside of our life but we, at the same time, are responding to the Spirit, and we're reaching to the Spirit, and, we're, and there's, there's an engagement that goes on spiritually. Something happens inside of me. Does this feel right, what I'm saying to you? And that often we're missing out on this middle ground. We're sort of living down here, doing the best that we can, knowing there's something up there that often is, is a little bit above us. I think sometimes we have this attitude that, well, I'm not quite good enough. I don't quite measure up. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not the, that's, that. We, we've placed God thoroughly upstairs, and we've put ourselves downstairs, and we're not doing so hot in the midst of, you know, whatever we're going through. And there comes this, this middle space where you're interacting with the Spirit of the Lord, who the Bible says lives inside of you. And I want you to think about it in this way. And, and there, there comes a point that I'm going to be at a loss for, I, I can't carry you all the way where I need to carry you in terms of your thinking. I can get you almost there. But I think you know the pathway from where I let off. You just know where you got to take it up. Come back to my illustration in the beginning. We're in the dark. The flashlight's turned off. It's Monday. The pastor's not there feeding you Bible studies. You're in the middle of the work day. There's a crisis goes on. What do you do? How do you handle it? And in the midst of the darkness, you pause and you, and you notice there's a little light. It's not coming out from the sky, but inside of my soul, there's a little light. There's a little something there that's offering me some direction. There's just a little something there that's offering me a, a, a sense of, of right and wrong. The kind of right and wrong that goes beyond morality and gets into integrity. This is real. That's not. This is good. This is right. This is true. Those words that Paul just used. And then he says, but, but do your best to find out what pleases God. So here's... This, this sense of the Holy Spirit is there and the light is on, but it's dim. And now I got to do my best 
to just get myself calm here and pay attention to the light that's there and, and begin to absorb it into my life and start to walk with it and to, to trust it and to begin to move. Now, I can take you to the point of saying the light is there and that you need to do something to respond to it. I can't take you any further than that. You know what it's like in your life. You know what it's like in your soul. You know what it's like in your heart. You may not even be a Christian. And you know what it's like that there's this little glimmer of light. There's something there that's beckoning you, that's trying to lead you and guide you. And it's up to you to respond to it, to embrace it. Now, I don't know why this is true. I know it's true. I know I could take a lot of time and go through Scripture and show you that it's true. But I know that if we walk in the light that we have, the light will grow brighter. And if we tend to not walk in the light that we have, then the light remains dim. And as we begin to, by faith, sort of step into that middle space and begin to engage the Holy Spirit, it's not that he's far away up there and I'm way down here. It's that we can come together. And I begin to, to just kind of, I want to say give in, but that's not really what I'm after. I, I reach out and I, and I walk in the light. Then the light is going to get brighter and brighter and brighter in my life. And more and more and more of God's grace is going to come upon me and his blessing in my life. Am I making sense? In verse 11, it says to take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, to rebuke and to expose them. And then it says it's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Do you notice what an industry we have made out of gossip? Several of the magazines, I mean, just, just go to the, to the supermarket and, you know, all those, those rags as you walk out of the, the supermarket. But some of the, the color magazines, too, have just turned into to, to gossip about other people's immorality. You know, you, 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 you read about who got divorced this week and who's out messing around with somebody else's wife and who, in, in the celebrity world. And the, the Bible here says that it's shameful even to talk about the things that godless people do, whether they do it in secret or out in the open. And then it says, when the light shines on them, it becomes clear how evil these things are. And where your light shines, it will expose their evil deeds. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. First he says, Take no part in worthless deeds of darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. And he says, the, When the light shines on them, it becomes how clear the evil is. And when your light shines, it will expose their evil deeds. And it says, Wake, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and all of that. I want you to think for a moment. There, there comes a time... And, and you can't avoid this. You can read through a text like this, and as, as, a, as a teacher of the Bible, you can sort of soften it. You can read through and you could say it this way. You could say, just by living a godly life, you're going to expose the dark deeds of other people. And you're going to bring conviction in people's lives. And you know what? That's true. That's entirely true. Carl was talking last week about some young kid that had become a Christian and had a real foul mouth. And, and uh, when he accepted the Lord, the, the Lord just changed him. And he doesn't swear anymore. And several of his friends at school have come and asked him, what's the secret? How can I get whatever you have? I want, 
I feel bad about the way I speak, and I see that you don't speak that way. What is that? And, and so his righteous behavior is exposing their unrighteous behavior. When I was young, I, I used to hang around with just guys. I went to all-male all high school, and there was a lot of alcohol. There was a lot of partying. There was a lot of whatever, and I didn't participate. But I participated in those friendships. One of the things I think is important for us to, to get as Christians is there are things that you ought not to participate in, but you ought to still participate with those people. Does that make sense? I had a guy come to me a long time ago and ask a question about, you know, he's struggling with pornography, just struggling and struggling and struggling. And he, and he comes and he makes this big, you know, clean breast of it and everything is right in his life. And then, you know, a couple of days later, he's right back down in the sewer again. And, and so as, as we're talking, you know, it, it's kind of getting a little bit, you know, everything gets real spiritualized in these kind of situations. So I get down to, well, so what happens? I mean, physically, I mean, what happens? What, walk through the steps. How do, you, how do you fall back into this thing? And, and he says, well, it's just, you know, I, I go by this little, uh, one, like a 7-Eleven, one of those kind of markets on, on my way home, and I stop in there to get a soda every night. And as, I, as I'm paying, there's this magazine rack, and there's this stuff just staring me right in the face. And I go, really? He goes, yeah. I go, so that's really what happens? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I, I get clean of the thing. I get free of the thing. And then, you know, I'm there again. I'm right there. And I go, go to Safeway. Just go to Safeway. Buy, buy your soda at Safeway. He goes, what do you mean? I go, don't go to the magazine rack and stand there and look at the stupid thing, you know? There, there's a lot of stuff in our life that walking in the light is going to take us away from darkness. You're not going to end up in the bars. You're not going to end up in the party scene. You're not going to end up in the places that are going to drag you down. And by avoiding that, you're gonna, there's going to be a couple things going on in your life. One is a certain amount of peace between you and God. And the other is going to be that people are going to notice that you're not hanging out in those things anymore. But hang around with your friends. Be with your friends. Be loyal to your friends. Because otherwise, how will the light shine out of you into their darkness? And, and as, you know, I, I lived my life in, in high school. I'd, you know, I was the designated driver. You know, those kinds of things. And, and I was the person who just didn't participate in a lot of what those guys participated in. And it wasn't, you know, long before people are coming around going, what's different? Why are you this way? What happens? And so you can live a life... And, and the light that's in you will expose the darkness and it'll cause people to come to the Lord. On the other hand, there comes a time that exposing the darkness means you just got to speak up. You know, one of the things that just irritates me to no end about the way that the, the, the church lived its life in the 1960s is that mostly born-again Christians didn't involve themselves in the civil rights movement. And we should have. Because that was injustice. That's something that you got to deal with. And so there comes a time that you sort of, by letting the light shine, you expose the deeds of darkness. There also comes a time that you just get up and you say something. Or you do something. And, and, and you come out and you make a stand for what's right. You know, somebody's in a, involved in some business deal and they're going to rip somebody off. And, and you as their friend owe it to them to say, hey, that's wrong. Don't do that. You can say it with a big smile on your face. You know, I found out you can call somebody stupid with a smile on your face and they'll basically take it from you. 
But you, you have a way of, of becoming the light in the darkness that's around. One of the things that the Bible says about us as Christians is that we're supposed to be salt in the earth. And it means that we should flavor and we should preserve the world around us. But he says if the salt isn't salty anymore, it's good for nothing but to be tossed out and just, you know, make room on the road. He says that we're supposed to be like a city that's like a, a light set up on a hill and that all can see. There ought to be something of the light of Jesus that's coming out in us that, that my lifestyle needs to, to reflect the fact that the Holy Spirit is here. I'm fitting into his story. He's not fitting into my story. I'm going to walk out and live out the, the life of the light. And there's going to be times I'm going to speak against the darkness. There's going to be other times that just my my living in the, in the midst of people who are living in darkness, there's going to be light that comes from my life and makes a difference. And then he says this last part. He says, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. What do you mean by that? Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. Well, I, I think he's just talking about sometimes we're just asleep at the switch. And we just need to kind of wake up and look for opportunities to, what is God trying to do in my life today? Where is God trying to take me today? And, and to wake up to the fact that the light is there. Some of us live as though it's not. Some of us live as though our walk with the Lord is keeping a bunch of rules. You know, and, and you, know, you could very easily make that part about greed and impurity immorality into a list of oh, do this and don't do this. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about coming to a place where in the midst of, of if you may be in some dark situation that you begin to engage the light that's there and you embrace the light that's there and you step forward in the light that's there and he's just saying kind of, hey, wake up. The light's on. Let's move forward and see what God can do in his grace. Well, let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight and I, for one, would confess that I struggle sometimes with, with what's it mean to love you. I know that I have allegiance toward you. I know that I care about you. I care about what you care about. But what does it mean to love you? And, and particularly as a man, I, I don't feel a lot of emotion in my Christianity. I look at this scripture and, and it, it calls us to put our love on display by by doing what we do for anybody that we admire, and that is that we want to be like them. And Lord, we want to be like you. We want to, to some degree or another, uh, whatever's called for in our life, be like Jesus. And God, as, as we understand what that's all about, then we understand that loving other people is going to mean that we're not going to be using other people. Loving things won't get in the way of our relationship with you. We will use the things. We'll love the people. We'll love you. We'll use the things that you give us, but we won't fall in love with them. We won't worship them. We'll worship you. And Lord, that as, as we endeavor to just make our lives into something and, and fit our life into your story, that when we come to a point where we're a little bit lost and we come to a point where we're a little bit in the fog or a little bit in the dark, that if we, if we pause and, and think about it and, and just take a moment to, to, to just expose our senses to you, that the light is there, it's within us, and that your spirit will lead us and you'll guide us and, and you'll show us what is good and true and right. And then, Lord, it's up to us to, to discern it. 
to be sensitive to it, to begin to walk in the light that's there. And Lord, as we walk in the light, then it just would seem natural that our life would make a difference in the lives of people around. Lord, that there might be times that we're called on to, to clearly call something wrong because it's wrong. And Lord, that you would use that in a way that would make the world a better place and, and, and maybe help our friend who's about to do something wrong to not do something wrong. But also, Lord, as, as you would use our life, that, our, that the light that's in us would be on display and that other people would see it and they would want it and they would be drawn to it. Lord, that the reality, the integrity of what we have in you would show. Lord, let your light shine through us. And Lord, teach us to walk in the light. Lord, help us to not be asleep at the stick, but to wake up and to walk in the light. Lord, to walk in that middle space, Lord, that we're engaging you and we're walking with you, we're partnering with you. In Jesus' name, amen.